Luke chapter 12, you want to be there with us. This is a, um, this is a wow, wow chapter for me, um, and I think it'll be wow for you as well. I don't know if we'll get through it all, um, so hopefully you can do some um, study on your own afterwards, but a couple things that this chapter addresses. Um, here we go. Are the things you do in secret really secret? Jesus is going to talk about that. Um, is there an unforgivable sin? What is it? How does Jesus want us to view money and possessions? Here we go. We're talking about money. Jesus is talking about money. There's a, some really dingers in here today. Okay, how about this one? Does God want you to be rich? Does God want you to be rich? And in what way does he, does he want you to get those riches? He's going to talk to us about that. And why does Jesus want to think that he's coming back at any time? Jesus wants us to think that he's coming back any time. Why, why does he want us to think that way? All of these things and more are in Luke chapter 12. So do you have your notepad? Do you have your pen? You're going to have to take some notes because I'm going to go fairly quick. The good news is, is we've got study notes for you that usually come out on Monday or Tuesday. So if you kind of like, hey, I didn't get all that stuff, go to the website, go under the messages, go under that message of that, what we've spoken on, and there'll be study notes along there with you so you can dig back into that. So here we go. Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read a part and then we'll dig into it together. It starts this way, verse 1. In the meantime... When so many thousands of people had gathered together and they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples, red letters in my Bible, Jesus speaking. Here we go. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be heard in the light and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> really? Here's the reality is the things you do in secret will not stay secret forever. It's so important that you begin to say, see that because uh, we've all done things in secret that we're not proud of, right? I mean, we could probably all raise up our hands in this room. But we have to realize that we need to keep short accounts with God and, and, and try to not keep covering stuff. See, the Pharisees, Jesus didn't like that because he's like, they're probably pre pretending to be a certain way. Meanwhile, they're acting very ungodly. They're acting a different way behind closed doors. It saddens me to think of um, the news that we have some uh, 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 another notable preacher who is having to step down from a role because of some indiscretions, or I should say some moral failures. And, and I, I'm not pointing a finger because guess what? I am one decision away from being that person. And each one of us are one decision away from being that person that somehow uh, comes out in the news. And well, obviously, somebody who's more notable, um, that will come out in the news for a lot of us. It's just like, hey, we're hurting people along the way when it comes out. I want to encourage you that, that if you live your life realizing that everything that we do in secret is going to be revealed at some point in time, we might live differently. We might live differently. 
Jesus goes on to say this. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after they have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. So who are we going to fear? Whom to fear? Fear him who, have, who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are more valuable than many sparrows. This verse, I had to spend a lot of time, Pastor Richie and I, dug in together to really understand what this is. Because in one sentence it's saying, fear this, but then fear not God. So who are we fearing? First of all, he's told us, Jesus is telling us, don't be so concerned about the one who can kill the body. Be concerned about what comes after that, eternity. Here he's saying, the one who can kill, by the way, it's not, Jesus is not killing you here. God's not killing you here. It says, unfortunately, the way that it translates from Greek to English, sometimes it can be a little confusing to it, but it says, in essence, after you have been killed or after you have died, you should fear what comes next. Not fear the one who's, who's putting you to death. You should be fearing what comes next. And he's saying you should fear the one that has the ability, not fear the one, but has, you should be afraid of what comes next because God does have the authority to send you to hell. Now, God's heart is that none should perish. So don't think that God is out there like, ha, I'm going to get you, the one who got caught in secret. We're going to put you in that nice little fiery place called hell. He's not saying that. No, he's burdened. He's saying, I love you so much. Why do you keep doing those things in secret? Why are you pretending to live one way when the reality is I died on the cross for your sin so you can live with freedom, so you can live with a resurrection power and authority so I can redeem you. And by the way, as long as you're breathing and alive, we are still in the redemptive process. I don't know about you, but I have not arrived. And we need to continue every day, bring our life before Jesus and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. But he's saying, be concerned, not of the one who can kill the body, but of the thing that can happen afterwards, which is the one who has the authority to put you in hell. And, and we'll talk about how do you assure that you don't um, go to hell. But the interesting thing on that is, is this is the most important part of that verse. He's talking about the sparrows. You know, sparrows are sold for a couple pennies, and people would buy um, animals for a sacrificial system back then. You know, obviously, since Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice that we're going to be thinking about here in a couple weeks, going to the cross, uh, we don't do that sacrificial system anymore, but the sparrows. And then he goes on, he says, do you not think that I know every single sparrow when its life is taken from itself? And then he goes on to make it more personal, and he says, actually, I know every hair that is on your head. Now, for some of you, that might not be a lot that he's counting. Um, I'm getting less and less as we go along as well here. Don't feel bad. But can I tell you something about uh, hair? This is a little side note. Redheads, you have about 90,000 hairs on your head. You dark-haired folks, a little bit more, 120,000 hairs on your head. And then you blondes, you rock it out at 145,000 hairs on your head. 
I do think that's why blondes sometimes can get a bad rap, though, because all their energy is going into their hair that they're growing on their head. <laughs> See, I am making a lot of enemies today. <laughs> uh, my son is a blonde, so uh, he will appreciate that. What Jesus is saying there, though, is, is like, I see you. I think sometimes we think of God out there somewhere and like, my life doesn't matter. And, and therefore, doesn't matter how I live or it doesn't, like, I don't feel seen. And God says, I see you. I love you. And I know everything about you. I know your hurts and your pains and your fears. And I want to be close to you. And I want to be a father to you. And he's saying, I want to do that for you for all eternity. And so he's now, he's, he's now warning us to say, okay, the way you live your life, though, the way you live your life. Then the question is, is we all have this question. Is there an unforgivable sin? Is there something that we can do that is, doesn't allow redemption to take place? Jesus addresses this. Verse 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men... The Son of Man, or Jesus, will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogue and uh, the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about what you should, how you, or how you should defend yourself, or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Okay, so this verse is talking about what we need to not be shy to acknowledge who Jesus is. He says, if you deny me, he goes, you'll be denied. Now, it I want to be cautious on this one. You have to remember that Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And yet, who was the church built on? Jesus said, upon this rock, Peter, my church will be built. There are times in your life that, that we've all kind of been that place of like, oh, I should have proclaimed Jesus, or my life sure didn't look like I was a Christian. I sure didn't uphold what I would think Jesus would be proud of. And this is why he says, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. That's good news, by the way. That's good news. So sometimes we get into our life, the way that we live is actually kind of rejecting God because we're not accepting the work, the redemptive work that he wants in our life. And he says, you, you'll be forgiven. But here's where he says you will not be forgiven. Anybody who blasphemes the Holy Spirit. So what is that? Because if that is the unforgivable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, it's probably important that you know what that is, right? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you are, first of all, what is not? If you are a believer who is trying to live for Jesus, I believe it is impossible to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Because you're always coming back and acknowledging your sinfulness and the need for the redemption of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is when you come to a point in place, and I don't know if you truly are a Christian, if you could ever turn your back on God. It may be possible. But that's truly what blaspheming the Holy Spirit is saying. You know what? I don't want Jesus to represent me. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus in my life. And it's so when you go into leave this life into all eternity, you're going to come before the judgment of God and, and Jesus is not going to be representing you. I would not want to be there, by the way, in that uh, place. Because we know that without Jesus representing you, you will be in hell. But that's not God's heart. His heart is that none should perish. His heart is that everybody would come to the understanding of who Jesus Christ is. So the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is when you truly reject the work of Jesus in your life. Say, I don't want Jesus to represent me. I don't want him in my life. That is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, meaning you want nothing to do with the Spirit of God in your life. All right, good on that one. You don't have to go home tonight and think that you've lost, you're like, oh my word, did I ever blaspheme the Holy Spirit? And is that the unforgivable sin? Am I, no, just keep coming before Jesus. Every day, wake up, Jesus, I need you in my life. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Here we go, moving on. Now, he's talking about possessions now. He's going to be talking about his, uh, our money. Jesus goes on to say this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. If there's any line in this section that you probably want to think about is, is that your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. Now, we need money to live. We need shelter. But the essence of your life does not consist in our possessions. And he told them a parable saying, so I love this. Jesus then shares a story, a parable to make a point. He says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Our possessions. He's starting to, by the way, one of the things that we say at Grace Capital Church, really I would say is our core mission. What are we all about? What are we doing? What is our drive? What is our focus? And we say this, is getting people ready to meet Jesus face-to-face. Getting all of us ready to meet Jesus face-to-face. We will all meet Jesus face-to-face, whether it's his return or whether we pass away in this life, we will have this opportunity. And I do believe that Jesus is going to say, how well did you live your life according to my word, my instructions? Were you obedient? Were you disobedient? 
Now we know the grace of God, the cross, the work of the cross has taken care of our sin. But I do believe that he's going to hold us to an account of how well we followed him. How well we followed him. And so he's going to say, did you spend all your time trying to amass wealth in this world, which really does not mean a whole lot? Or were you rich towards God? So where are you laying up your treasures? He goes on to say this, continuing his thought. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you, what you will eat, nor about your body. I love that. He's telling me I don't need to worry about my weight. Anybody like that one? I like that one. <laughs> it seems like after I've gotten over 50, everything seems to like want to expand on me. I'm not too sure why that is. <laughs> Just tell me not worry about my body. Hallelujah. I'm taking that one. I'm claiming that one. Okay. Uh, what you'll put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Neither sow nor reap. They have neither a uh, storehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. If you just pause and think about that for a moment, that's pretty powerful. That Jesus himself is saying that, that don't get so concerned. When he says anxious, it's, it's kind of like the, the worries of the world. You, you start thinking about it often, like what am I going to eat? You know, what, how am I going to retire? You know, it's, and again, it, it, I struggle a little bit between this idea of stewardship and investing in kingdom things, and I think we need to be both. But he's saying that, that we have to always be in tune with what the Spirit of God is saying. And that's the key. Because if we just take principles and, and lay them without the Spirit of God, we miss what the Spirit of God might be doing in and through your life. There are people who have been purposed to be very wealthy in this world so they can be generous with their resources to build the kingdom. Nothing wrong with that. But they have to listen to the call of God and they have to listen to the Spirit. Likewise, though, the Bible says that if you have a lot of worldly wealth, it is very difficult for you to enter the kingdom of God. So this is why you have to make sure we just don't go principles. We have to understand what the Spirit of God is saying to you as an individual. And this is why being filled with the Spirit is so important. Every day, Holy Spirit, come fill me afresh. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to be obedient to what you're saying. But the idea that, that he's saying the birds don't have storehouses, and yet God feeds them. I was talking to a gentleman this morning that hasn't uh, had work for a while, and he goes, you know, I just learned to be really content. I, I don't really know, um, you know, what the future holds, but I seem to be cared for by God. I, I'm eating. I have a roof over my head. And, and I just love the simplicity of that. And I often think of myself of how often I think about what am I going to eat? What am I going to, like, what restaurant am I going to go to? Or, um, you know, think about a lot of these worldly things. And God says, don't be anxious about that. He's saying, don't spend a lot of time thinking about those things. And he goes on to say, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do a small thing that while you are anxious about the rest, let me say that again. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, not being anxious that is, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And again, Jesus made a great example. We know Solomon, right? Incredible wealth. So many chariots, so many horses, so many uh, wives. I don't know if that was a blessing or a curse, but so many wives. Wives are a blessing, by the way. Not a wife is a blessing. Not multiple. Not multiple. I'm going to stop right there because I, I, I saw the shovel and I was starting to dig. <laughs> I was like, stop it. All right. I, I am feisty today. I'm sorry, guys. I just like... All right, keep going. Focus on the Word of God. It's about you, Jesus. Okay. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat. And what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Or seek his kingdom first, and all these things will be added to you. The interesting thing, he's he's making a distinction of the way the world lives and the way followers of Jesus should live. The way the world lives is they're thinking about food, clothing, and amassing for themselves storehouses and wealth. And he says, no, 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 God who sees you, remember, going back to the very beginning, like a sparrow, counted all the numbers of hairs on your head. He knows exactly what you need, and he's a good father, and he'll care for you. And so he's saying, by you putting all that attention and worry and stress in your life, um, you don't realize what you're doing. You don't need to go down that path. Your Father in heaven sees you, but he's saying, reorient your time and energy. This is, it's not just not do this. He's saying, now reorient your time and energy to put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things would be your food, your clothing, your housing, these things, right? So he's saying, he's reordering it for you and saying, seek first. First, have your relationship with God. Seek what it is that he's purposed your life to be, and then all these things will be added to you. Then he goes on to saying this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Wow. Wow. Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, and with treasure in the heavens that will not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart be also. So Jesus wants you rich. He wants you rich. He wants you wealthy. But where is your wealth stored? Not here on earth. It's being stored in heaven. When you do this, when you do this, he says, sell your possessions. And I would say being willing, again, it's not saying everybody go out here today and sell your possessions and you'll be wealthy in heaven. Now, if God is telling you that, sell your possessions and you'll be wealthy in heaven. But he's saying, what are you holding tight to? These possessions, these earthly things are very temporal. 
But you hold on to them as if like they're eternal, but the eternal things carry on beyond your life. So he's saying, which is the soul, by the way, he's saying, sell your possessions, give to the needy, be mindful of the people around you, of the needs around you. And when you do, your money bags do not grow old. You start, you'll have treasures in heaven and where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And he's basically saying, those other things will be, it can be stolen, they can be, they can be corroded, um, but if you want eternal treasures, true treasures, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the things that are, are eternal, that are on God's heart, and then you'll be wealthy in heaven. I used to, when I was younger and I first understood this principle, uh, by the way, you should never going around bragging about all the good things you've done for God because that's your reward here and now. So it's like, go do those things and do them kind of in secret, and then you'll have your reward in heaven. If you just do it for the praise of people, Jesus says, that is your reward. And I, I want my rewards stuck in heaven. So in my mind, though, I used to play this little trick and, and used to say, uh, I do something um, kind of secretively good and, and listening to the Holy Spirit. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's my chandelier from my mansion in heaven. Oh, boy, I just, I just, the grand piano just arrived in heaven in my mansion. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. And I, and I play this little game in my mind, because the Bible says we'll have mansions. I don't know really what that would look like. But in my mind, I play that little game of like, that's where I'm actually putting my storehouse. That's where I'm putting my treasures. That's where I'm putting my riches. But it's hard because the world doesn't function that way. The world functions on here and now and amass your wealth here and now. But Jesus is saying that that's temporal. It's temporal. You want true riches, then, then start investing into kingdom things that will produce eternal riches. I'm going to close in one other thought that Jesus had. And, and as I said, there's going to be a couple things that I can't get to on this um, chapter. But I want to let you know that, that Jesus wants us to be thinking about his return. He goes on to say this, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may be open so they may open the door for him at once when he comes and knocks blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes truly I say to you he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them okay a couple interesting things here he is talking about the master in this story is Jesus and he's saying, always be ready for his return. I always love that wedding feast um, analogy because it kind of it links back into Revelation of when Jesus comes. And it's called the wedding feast of the Lamb. And, and we're going to have this big party when Jesus returns. But this also goes along with the parable of the ten virgins. You know, having lamp in their, um, uh, oil in their lamps, in this preparedness. And he's saying, I want you to, to not kind of all of a sudden lose track and like, oh, 
it's the third hour. He hasn't come back, and we're going to go to sleep. And then he says, watch out, because I might come like a thief in the night. Now, Jesus is not a thief, but he's making the analogy to saying that he can come when you least expect it. And the problem is, he's saying, is with humanity is we can kind of kind of like, oh, yeah, remember 1984, uh, Jesus is coming. Oh, remember World War I. We thought this is the World War. Jesus is coming. Oh, yeah, we remember, okay, those signs. No, he's not coming. So then we just kind of get relaxed in life. And he's saying, watch out. Live your life with intention and purpose and with a sense of anticipation that Jesus can return at any time. We don't know when he's going to return. We think like there's some things that are are there that he's saying that, okay, until the whole world is evangelized, he's returning. But I think, again, the point is he doesn't just want us to pick a time. He's wanting us to live with purpose and urgency and preparedness. Because what happens is when we start falling asleep in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual lives, it's the time that the enemy can come and start snatching things away that, that... Jesus would be concerned about because we would then start be sleeping and like, wait a second, we're not prepared. We're not prepared in the sense that Jesus wants us to be prepared. He says, if he comes on the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But though, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming in, he would not have left his house to be broken into. Also, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Trying to think about how much more to give you on this one. I think my my point on this one is like, be ready. Be ready for him to come at any moment. I think if you know that... If you're living ready for him to come at any moment, I think you're going to try to not do those things in secret, right? Those things that, that we would be ashamed of if all of a sudden, you know, Jesus came back at that moment. I also think we would live a little bit more with intentionality of, of, of closeness with the Holy Spirit and saying, okay, if he's coming back tomorrow, do I really need to have all this worry about my bank accounts and my business and my possessions and all these types of things. And, and again, I'm not saying go sell everything today. You, you have to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying for you individually. But I'm saying he's asking us to ask the question, how, is, how do I need to live a way of being prepared for Jesus to return? But I will say this last thing that Jesus does tell us. I'm going to skip down into verse 47, because it's a continuation of the thought that Jesus had. And the servant that knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did receive, sorry, and the one that did, let me start that over again, make sure I'm clear here. And the servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe uh, beating. But the one who did not know and and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. 
And from him to, oh, my Lanta, can I read today? <laughs> Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Okay, here we go. Let me sum that up. Today, every single one of you that's listening to this message are accountable. This is the heaviness of this message. This is the weightiness of it. We like the message that Jesus can free us from our sin. His grace is sufficient. It almost feels like, okay, we can just live the way we want. And as long as Jesus is there representing us at, at, when we pass away, all right, we're going to be absolved of our sin. And whew, we did it. But the, there's a scripture that also says that our Father in heaven disciplines those he loves. Discipline. I, I, I'm not so sure about the severe beating here, but, but, but he disciplines those he loves. And he's saying that if you have knowledge, you're going to be held more accountable than the ones who didn't have knowledge. And this is my forewarning to you. You have knowledge. Live like you have the knowledge of the right way. But you don't have to walk on tippy toes around a father who loves you, feeling like you're going to get a beating. <laughs> you can live with confidence as long as you're living the way that Jesus says, ready for his return any moment. When you start living that way, you don't have to worry about these other things. And when you live ready for him to return any moment and you're asking for the fullness of the Holy Spirit and you're responding to his, his still small voice, you don't have to worry. When you realize that the things of this world, your possessions are just temporary and that you really you're living for something eternal and your, and your, and your rewards are eternal and your treasures are eternal, you're not going to have to worry about this. But he is saying, though, that he does want us to live a little bit sobered of understanding what he is calling us to. And I think the best way to get a heart, because I know sometimes... Some of you have experienced fathers who have not been kind to you, maybe even abusive. You hear words like this, and somehow this like puts separation between you and your father. And I, and I want to let you know that that's... Don't try to think about your earthly father and your heavenly father as one. Your heavenly father loves you so much he sees you, right? Counting the number of the hairs on your head. He loves you so much he's given you his son to die for you, right? So that's, that's his heart for you. But yet he's ask, also asking us to live a certain way for his kingdom's sake and to not be so entangled with the things of this world, but to be prepared for the wedding feast of the Lamb, for his return, for our eternity in heaven that will have our rewards stored for us there. Okay, summing it up this way in closing. One, how, how do we do this? I would say confess, confess your sins. This is the stuff done in the secret will come to the light. It's much better to let it bring, you bring it to the light than 
somebody bring it to the light for you, right? It's always better. I would say confess your sin. The Bible says in James 5.16, confess your sins one to another. I'd say find a, uh, find a safe person to share those things that you've been doing in the dark and bring it to the light and let Jesus bring healing in the midst of that. Number two, God sees you and he values you. But I would say this, you should fear hell. And you do need to keep watch over your soul. Jesus is the best watchman over that, but you do. Remember, you're one step away from making a very poor decision. Be watchful over your soul. Next is have courage to share Jesus, right? You don't have to be afraid to deny him. You can share him with courage. Number four, determine where you want your treasure stored. You have the choice. It can be stored on earth, that's temporal, or you can store it in heaven, which is eternal. Obviously, we know which is the better one. And then number five is be watchful and ready. And I would say don't get sloppy with your life. This is not a time to be sloppy with your life. You will have to give an account for your actions. You will have to give an account for your actions. And that's sobering because I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to me. I got five fingers pointing right at me, right? I'm, I'm walking with soberness to say my life is accountable to Jesus. And that scripture where he says that, that we will have to give an account brings us to a place where we are like, okay, Jesus, help me. Help me every single day. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, Invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.